two undeniable forces out to liberate the world. No surrender. Harley Davidson motorcycles. No cages. Captain America rides to victory on a Harley Davidson motorcycle. Now you can too. Visit harleydavidson.com forward slash Captain America to pick out a new Harley XL1200 custom motorcycle and enter for your chance to win a VIP experience at the home of Harley Davidson, where Marvel and Harley will help you customize your very own Liberator. Marvel Studios' Captain America, The First Avengers, in theaters, July 22nd. Marvel. Welcome to your listener to our podcast. Jeff and Rick present Unpacking the Power of Power Pack. Where we journey through each issue of comics that include a member of the most underrated Marvel series from the 80s while drinking beer. Analyzing awesome and amazing adjacent adolescent adventures and absorbing alcohol. I am Jeff. And I am Rick. Random like a drip, drip, drip that'll never stop. Whoa. Banter that'll tip, tip, tip till you just go pop. Whoa, oh, oh, oh. Random banter time, buddy. Talk to me, tell me tall tales and tantalizing tidbits of trivia today. I will be glad to. I don't know what that was from, but I'll be glad to talk to you about stuff. The song's name is Surface Pressure, sung by Louisa, off of Encanto. Nope. Nope. Okay. So there's two reasons why I picked this for the random banter. One, Louisa's big, strong character. She's great. She's indestructible and everything, but she's got a lot on her plate. She's got way too much going on. She's really stressing out. It's like on the outside, she's like, yeah, I've got it all together. But on the inside... Right. Okay. Encanto. Encanto. She's got a little bit too much going on. And I feel that Spider-Man has a little bit too much going on. So he's a lot like Louisa. So that's the first reason. The second reason that I brought it up is because I watched Encanto and I really, really like that song. Okay. (laughs) I take it it then that means that your daughter is finally getting into the Disney oeuvre. Oh, no. She was at school. I watched it while she was gone. This is for me. Parenting done sideways. Nice. I, I nice. think that her and Hillary actually watched it uh, months ago, and uh, it was it was my turn. My turn. It's my turn now. It's ah. my turn. I'm a big grown-up, and I want to watch an animated kids cartoon, too. And I did. I was doing something from the first episode of South Park there, so. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you guys. <laughs> I'm uh, going to watch it, well, too. Have you, have you watched any other movies or anything? Oh, actually, I did. I watched uh, Rocketeer. I discovered oh, yeah. that because I watched Mandalorian, and I was like, okay, what do you suggest because I watched Mandalorian? Oh, a jetpack buddy. The Rocketeer. And The Rocketeer came out 24 years ago, and I have been wanting to see it for 24 years, and I've been having an impossible time finding it. I did catch a tiny little bit of uh, near the end of it once at a friend's place when I stopped by, but it was very much a dip in, see a dramatic explosion, and then that was, and then go somewhere else. I'm like, I think I know how the bad guy dies. And then, (laughs) yeah, so I watched that, so I was excited about that. And I also watched the season ender of Mandalorian today in one sitting because I really didn't want to look at any YouTubes or media sites or just like general (laughs) news and go, here's spoilers. It's been out for two hours. Obviously you should have seen it. So let's discuss the spoiler. So I'm like, I need to just not look at anything online and watch that. So please don't say anything because some of us have to work during the day. Not a problem. Also, I'm not sure exactly when I'm going to get a chance to see that because my family and I have been watching Mandalorian together. And next couple of days is going to be kind of busy because my random banter is my sister-in-law's new book came out. And by the time this comes out, it's going to be like a month or so off. But mm-hmm. her book came out last week, I believe it was. And this week she is coming to Portland to do her book tour. And so she is going to be in Powell's Books on Thursday night, picking her up from the airport Thursday afternoon. She's going to be hanging out with us. Uh, my daughter is actually, just because we're going to be kind of whirlwind kind of thing, my daughter mm-hmm. is actually going to be staying at a friend's house and going to school with her the next day. But we're going to take her out a little bit early on Friday to see her aunt a little bit and spend some time with her aunt before yep. her aunt jumps on a plane and heads to California for more of her book tours. So. More of her press junket. Is it just Nicole? Is she just the only one popping in, yep. not the rest of the family? Okay, yeah, that yep. is... Uh... Just Nicole. And, and her new book that she's doing is A Living Remedy. It's another memoir. It's her second book. And this is... <laughs> A really good book. She's a very good author. Yes, I am a 
very biased about it because for me reading the book, I was reliving my own experiences with her as she was reliving her experiences. Mm -hmm. And so I was kind of like, as the story was ebbing and flowing, I was kind of tracking in my own memories of things happening. I knew things that were coming up in the book, which means that I could like have a pre-cry mm -hmm. before the actual tears coming out and crying about yeah. the things that were happening in the book. It's very emotional. It's very powerful. She writes about her experiences losing her adopted parents over the past three or four years and how COVID kind of wove in and out of that. She lost her father and then as COVID starts and as they're dealing with the grief and the new life her mother has, all of a sudden her mom gets really sick and COVID happens and she's away from her. It's it's a roller coaster. It's it's rough, but it's it's well written and it I think it encapsulates grief and the questions we have with our family and our relationship with our family as we try to move on to our own lives and try to live as adults and to develop our own lives, our own identities, and still trying not to feel guilt for not continuing on with the relationship we have with our families sometimes. Mm -hmm. hmm. All right. It sounds like a good mediation on the grief and just life. Yeah. 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 So I that's just my... I, I like to plug things where I can, and I encourage people if they want to read something real life. I know we deal a lot with fantasy and our sci-fi and our comic books and our goofiness here, but it's a good book, and it's nice to tap into the feelings and emotions of others sometimes and kind of do your own reality check on life as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's my happy, happy, happy. <laughs> That's a super happy. <laughs> Anything else you want to talk about or you want to get into this book? No, let's just get into the comic. All right. Well, Jeff, can you start us off by giving us a two-sentence replay of last episode, if you would be so kind? Sue discovers that Reed isn't Reed when Reed shoots her with Reed's gun and then Reed betrays the old Atlanteans by destroying their city for Reed reasons. Later, the Reeds are in the forever city of the High Evolutionary bamboozling the evolved Moloids so that they can set them up for another Reed reason betrayal, which is interrupted by the arrival of a floating space city, kinged by Black Bolt and populated by his bevy of brides and their peoples. Now that the Alex gets his arm broken in this issue and has to sit out the next five issues of this run, two-sentence replay is over, why don't you give me a beer and tell us what our power pack pick is? My pleasure, my friend. I would like you to reach over and grab that bag of booze that I have provided you and brief us on what is inside. It is a black can, and it is Mischief, a hoppy Belgian-style ale. Brewed and canned by Brewery Placentia, California. Interesting. Mischief. Why would it be mischief? Oh, Jackal, what do you know of mischief? Oh, <laughs> bedbugs giving people spider powers. What would you know of mischief? Those poker-playing Avengers, what would they know about mischief? I don't know. I'm lost. But it's a pretty can. It's black and white. Yeah, there is some mischief abound in this. And this is the prelude to Spider Island. So, you know, they're setting up a bunch of stuff. There's a bunch of mysteries going on. There's a bunch of weird stuff happening. And I thought the mischief by the brewery would be a good, good thing to have. This wickedly good golden ale is fiendishly dry hopped to add a layer of complexity to its fruity, crisp, Belgian-style character. Citrus and resin aromas combined with notes of ripe melon, pear, and a slightly peppery spice in our winner of the gold medal. 2016 Great American Beer Festival, American Belgo Style Ale, ABV 8.5. You can really smell the citra hops in this. It is a very citrus forward beer. When you're talking about the other flavors, oh, pears and spices and stuff, I'm like, mm, citra hops. That's when it's coming up to my nose. Very, yeah. very citrusy, which would explain why it's a black and white can. With black and white snakes coming off off of uh, its little symbol. And Mischief is in orange. And I understand why. Because it's a very citrus forward smelling beer. It's got a <laughs> lovely beer color beer with bubbles. Flat head on it. And taste wise. Ooh, I am getting that pepper. Hmm. I don't know if it might just been the foam. But I got that peppery spice in there. That was the foam. Because I just kind of mm -hmm. froth slurped and I'm like, oh, that's very peppery. Otherwise, very citrusy. Very citrusy. Not bad. I'm getting some hops on the back end. But yeah, the citrus, the melon and pear are kind of all coming together in there. Yeah, they're in there in a strong, almost artificial melon pear flavor for me. But really, by the time that the 
melon pear flavor comes in, that pepper flavor is really obscuring everything else. The citra flavor even goes away. It's just like, hi, I'm a peppered orange. Enjoy me. Enjoy my white pepperness. But it's not caustic. Mm-hmm. It's not biting. Hmm. It's just a pleasant pepper taste, which is strange. This beer is different. It's a very wet mouthfeel. It's not drying mm. you out, so it, it, it goes down like a fluid without leaving any kind of dry reminisce behind. But I'm having a hard time deciding if I like it or not. I kind of think I do, but... It's got an odd flavoring to it that I think I, I've got to I've got to get used to. Yeah, I can agree with that. I do like that not getting the real strong hops taste until yeah. the very bitter end. Yeah, I like the pepper taste, but you're right, the melon and pear thing in there. I don't know if that if the fruitiness is as good as it says it is. It is crisp. I am getting that. No, most part I'm enjoying it. I really am. Like yeah. what's weird is even like the citrus flavor has really knocked down too and become almost like a dusting on all the pepper notes. This is an odd beer. I'm curious what I'm going to think about this in, in an hour. Yeah. Yeah, I think I'm going to be drinking it. I'm, not, I'm drinking it without making faces, so that's a big bonus. Because there are plenty <laughs> of ones that we have where it's just like, oh yeah, and as Rick's talking, I'll have a sip, and I need to chew my way through my face for a little bit before I can take my turn to talk. So To be fair, you spend a lot of your time making faces at me. So This is true. I'm just saying. This I'm is true. Saying. All my social interaction is with a small child, and I'm stuck in a baby interaction mode. And even she's tired of it. She's like, Father, I have left my youth behind. Please cease and desist such shenanigan facial expressions. Well, I'm going to go ahead and say right here and now that your child is not going to be like Niles or Frazier Crane. No, she's not going to be. That's not going to be her trajectory. Not right now. She wants to be an archaeologist. You go little Aurora Jones. (laughs) Who knows? I'm sure it's going to change again sometime soon. She's also wanted to be a dentist and a da 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 It all changes and it's all good. Well, I would like you to be a reader, if you could possibly find that in your repertoire, and tell us about the opening credits, if you please. Amazing Spider-Man, Volume 1, Issue Number 666, September 2011. Spider Island, Prologue, The One and Only. Credits, Writer, Dan Slott. Penciler, Stefano Casilli. Inker, Stefano Casilli. Colorist, Marte Garcia. Letterer, Joe Caramanga. Editor, Ellie Pyle and Stephen Wacker. Featuring Spider-Man and guest starring a mess of other New Yorkers, because it's New York, and a brief appearance of the Future Foundation and Alex Power. Things are looking up for Peter Parker, a.k.a. the Spider-Man. That's right. He has a positive attitude and a handle on his life. He has a job that gives him the opportunity and time to build better spider gear. He is proactive in looking for trouble, and he is a team player working with superhero teams and cops alike. Nope. I don't believe you. You do not need to believe me, Rick. Just look at Spidey reacting to, and taking out, these two robbers fleeing from a neighborhood deli. What? These yahoos? They are nameless, ski mask wearing punching bags. Which our boy takes down and wraps up in a New York minute with a swap here and a spoing there with a swack. For good measure, the wall crawler has crooks wrapped up and waiting just as the police arrive. That was a little tortured, but that's okay. The cops are appreciative and amazed at how much work the webhead is doing. And the owner of the store is pleased and gives the hero a free sports drink. Gotta keep those electrolytes up. And product placement. Catching! Respect from the public and the authorities and a free bevy? Man, I'm just lucky if I can get the DMV to call my poll number within three hours of sitting there. Spidey does not even have time to take the praise he is getting. No, he does not, because another call has come in. There's a supervillain across town, and he's got to go deal with that. Check this out. He knows the across town villain is Hydro Man, and he has new tech to deal with him. And he is able to change his web cartridge while mid-web swing. You never learned how to do that, 70s through 80s Spider-Man. Okay, okay, fine. It looks like you're right, but I bet that the publisher of the Daily Bugle can still take our boy down a peg. Oh, do you mean the ex-publisher, current mayor, J. Jonah Jamison? Wait, what? How? Why? Who? When? Where? I am only going to answer the last question of where, and that would be City Hall, the place where the mayor sits and fumes. He has reasons to. 
His approval ratings are way, way down. And that's directly proportional to how popular and beloved a certain blue and red hero is. Oh, do you mean Thor or Captain America or Giant Man or Ant-Man or Captain Marvel or Miss Marvel or Doctor Strange or Superman or Spider-Non-Man? Uh, Rick... You have to know I meant Spider-Man. Oh, yeah, that makes more sense given the context clues. Anyways, looks like even JJ's old paper is promoting the arachnid adventurer and questioning the mayor's anger, hate, and excessive expenditure of tax dollars against Spider-Man. To be fair, Triple J has room in his tiny heart to hate all superheroes. He's just trying to show that they are tearing the city apart. Well, yes, that literally did happen last week, but Giant Man and Goliath apologized. Meanwhile in the Diamond District, home of the fighting superheroes that are figuratively tearing the city apart. Okay, who do we have here fighting and losing to Hydro Man? Why, it's none other than the young allies. Gravity, Greg Willis, Spider-Girl, Anya Corzon, and Firestar. Angelica Jones. So, three against one, and one of them has microwave slash fire powers. And they cannot handle the water boy, the wet bandit, the damp do-batter? Huh. Wow. Color me not impressed. Oh, never fear. Spidey is here. So play that 70s Spidey and his amazing friends music DJ. Wickety wickety whack. Okay. Uh, give me just a second. I have the MP3 of that here somewhere. Piff. Spish, crook. And you are too late because the fight is over. Spidey dodged the hydroblast and shot his new tech into the water dude, which caused him to freeze up like a popsicle. Ooh, I like popsicles. What flavor is he? Nobody wants to lick Hydro Man to find out. Spidey does not have time to sit and chat, so he lets the trio know that the permafreeze is only gonna really last for about a half hour. So Hydro Man will hold still while these three kids babysit while waiting for the cops to show up. Other than that, see ya. Wouldn't wanna be ya. Not even time to drop any puns. That still leaves these C-listers with pride. And as as Firestar points out, It means he trusts us. It means we're Spidey's amazing friends. I can live with that. And if none of you get the joke of a guy in ice form with Firestar and her original yellow onesie, go ask your parents. Or, <sighs> sigh, grandparents. Spidey needs to check in with his work, Horizon Labs. Here is where we find out that Peter's reverse engineering stuff he sees or uses as Spider-Man to push his current job as a scientist and engineer forward. Cool. But uh, hey, being a long-term comic book and sci-fi reader, I'm pretty sure that every evil scientist has taken the same path. Plus, we read the issue where Reed Richards told him not to do that. Yeah, but they were evil and Peter is not. Plus, it was Reed Richards. Uh, isn't that what the bad guys always say too? Probably, but I cannot hear them over my own ego. And speaking of which, Dr. Parker is showing his co-workers the awesome power of his CryoCube 2000. The 2000 is just to make it more impressive sounding. This is a gadget that will freeze organic matter, such as worms, and then reverse the process with no degradation at all to the cells. Wow, lots of cool applications for this. I see what you did there. Don't be so frosty. Bert, Bert. Saved by Peter's cell phone and a call from Carly. She is working the crime scene that Spidey's foiled at the beginning of the book, and they are waiting for the webbing to dissolve. So she thought she'd just give her boyfriend a call. While they are chatting, one of the robbers flexes his muscles and actually breaks free of this strongest steel-like webbing. Snap. Wow, that's... That's really kind of weird. And even stranger than that, as the robber is sprinting away, Carly just backhand knocks him out. Katam. Huh. What? What's happening here? That is what Carly wants to meet with Peter to talk about. And so Peter, after putting in like a solid 10 minutes at the office, strolls out to finish up his phone call with her. But after the call is done, he is so preoccupied by the fact that she says that they need to talk that he almost gets creamed by a butt. Bus. He almost gets creamed by a bus. I'm just reading what's in the script, buddy. Stupid autocorrect fixing what I typed and not what I meant. The Spidey sense is still offline from like 12 issues ago, but thankfully a couple of his friends are there who work at the front line. A rival for the Daily Bugle. The first is Nora Winters, and the second, he says in an increasingly conspiratorial tone, is the one who saved him, Mr. Phil Urich. Wait, Phil? No, 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 not this guy! Yep. Our buddy from the loners, the hidden villain of the book. He looks much more sane here, and younger, and hipper, and fitter, but the crazy is just below the surface. Since we have seen this guy, he has relocated back to New York and found another woman to chase down. 
He has managed to get Nora away from her old boyfriend, Robbie Robinson, and he has managed to claim the mantle and gear of the Hobgoblin. Things are looking up for the poster child of sanity. Nothing like trying to impress your reporter girlfriend by reverse Spider-Manning it and getting her pictures and videos of his alter ego so that she can write stories about him. During this tense interchange between Peter and Phil, Peter finds out that there are way too many Spider-Man sightings. Someone is imposterating him. Again. Meanwhile at the Feast Project, home of the Not-Fighting Feast. Aunt May and her husband, J. Jonah Jameson's father, are leaving the Feast Project. This is where Aunt May has been working, helping hungry people as a way to not think about her nephew, who is always so busy. Unfortunately, it's closing down, and the two elderly people have decided that they are going to ship up to Boston. Oh! They arrive back in their apartment just as an exterminator is finishing exterminating. There have been reports of bedbugs in the building, you see. Well, great. Now I'm just grossed out, too. Back on the streets, we get to witness a random mugging. Not so random. These are two heavies that were hired to break the legs of a gambler who is way past his due on his debts. So we are treated to a scene you can see in any movie. CD back alley. CD characters in this back alley. Standard issue threats. Victim able to grab the wall like Spider-Man and do a split kick knocking out both bad guys. Nice. And what? This awesome acrobatic assault assembles the arrival of antagonists, a couple of other individuals that we have sort of met before. Sort of. Uh, hang on. I'm gonna need to diagram this out. We have two mutated humans. The first is green-furred with large ears and sharp claws. It is the Jackal, but not the original. This is a clone of Miles Warren, the guy behind the Clone Saga. Oh no. Not again. Oh, yes. And speaking of clones, the other guy is Kane Parker, another of Peter's clones, who has gone through some ch-ch-ch-changes and is looking more bulky and spiderish. He's going by the handle of tarantula now. And what do these guys possibly want? They are recruiting for evil. Seems legit. They drop the guy a business card and tell him to meet them at a certain location at a certain time. And he should as he was apparently given these powers by the Jackal. The Green Meanie is a busy guy, as he has been the cause for a number of surprise spider-power-blessed people. But no more time to waste with that, Dr. Jones. We need to check in on the reason we are here reviewing this issue. Yeah, where is Spider-Man now? What? What do you mean Spider-Man? I don't care about him. I care about Power Pack. Specifically, I care about Alex Power. Wait. Is that him standing on an FF transport, waving goodbye to Reed, Peter, and Ben, as he and the rest of the Smarty Pants Brigade and Sue take off to New Atlantis in order for Reed to vacuum and reset the alarms in the Baxter building after the attack of the Sinister Six a few issues ago in Amazing Spider-Man, and Sue Richards warns Ben about no poker games while they post up at the Avengers Mansion? Uh, yes, that is exactly what I meant. And also, that was very nice and succinct of you to do that. I do what I can. I need oxygen. Well, hi, Alex. Bye, Alex. I've already forgotten that you were even in this issue. Peter stops bantering with Ben about poker to answer a call from MJ. They're currently just friends, but MJ keeps Peter's head in the game about his commitments. There is May and Jay's last night in town, and also Betty Brandt is in the hospital, and Flash Thompson is out of town. Smash cut to Agent Venom, a.k.a. Flash Thompson. Holy overstuffed content, Batman. Please, we do not need him in this book, too. Agent Venom is the surprisingly stable pairing of Flash and the Venom symbiote. In the government-controlled process, Venom and Flash work together to handle things like, pff, let's just say, a batch of AIM scientists. Hey, it's a living. And after Flash finished dealing with them, he gives a call to his girlfriend, Betty. Betty is still in the hospital, but she has left her room to stroll around a bit. Plus, she's looking for a story. Golly, it's unlikely. But I hope she is able to find a story in a New York City hospital and a superhero comic book that has already hinted at some very strange happenings going on. Oh, I think she'll be just fine. I mean, just look at that emergency room filling up with people who seem to be developing Spider-Man-like powers. Speaking of people with powers, let's check in on Spider-Man at the superhero poker game at the Avengers Mansion. Love this! It appears that Spidey has not really been invited to many of these games for a few reasons, mostly because of his spider sense and being poor, but also because he talks non-stop. Now that he has some cash in his pocket and he's not throwing around a power that equates him to a telepath, he's more than welcome to get fleeced for his money. Ouch, but fair. After they divorce the webhead of his hard-earned money, he taps out, explaining that he's got some karate lessons. We have chatted about this on the show previously. Since his spidey sense turned off, he has been learning some moves from Shang-Chi. In fact, 
It is time for Peter's final lesson. It is time to see how good The Way of the Spider really is. Awesome. This book has a showdown between Spider-Man and Shang-Chi. Not today, my little buddy. Peter is actually going up against Julia Carpenter, a.k.a. Madam Web. For those that do not know, she was once going under the name of Spider-Woman with similar powers. But then she got the ultimate upgrade by getting the powers and mantle of Madam Web. Now she can see the future which includes her spinning a web any size and catching thieves just like Vi's. Our boy is not happy with his training partner. Spider powers and clairvoyance and fighting skills? Can he just tap out now and go get a pizza? Sorry, my dude. Michael Buffer walks into the room and announces that the opponents should prepare to engage. And they're off. The pair kick, flip, punch, and dance all over this dojo, including on the walls and ceiling. And they are not touching each other. This, like Martha Stewart says, is a good thing. This new fighting style is more than making up for Peter's lost tingle ability, and in Madame Webb's eyes, this makes him almost ready for the next challenge that they have been secretly grooming him for. Oh, great. People are setting Spidey up for some contrived plotline devised by a sadistic writer in the hopes to sell a lot of books, but disguised as an in-story future plot that cannot be revealed to the character or the fans because of future stuff! Ugh. Well, some would call that good writing and development. But you be you, dude. Julia also tells Peter that he has to work on using that killing stroke that he's learned. Yeah, hard pass. Not his thing. He is a hero. Remember? It's really nice of you to think that. But she can tell the future. Woo! Remember? And if he is going to succeed, he's going to need to kill a dude. Well, anyway, that's a tomorrow problem. Today, we, the reader, have a problem with people sneakily swinging and crawling behind Peter as he leaves the dojo. Odd, but for now, we follow a very tired Peter back home where Carly is waiting to talk to him. But Peter is just too tired to talk, and he already has a lot on his mind. So he does the right and sensible thing you should do if you want to become single again, and he shuts her down. Good night, Peter. Good night, Carly. Hello, creepy and evil duo. We are back with the Jackal and the Tarantula. They're in the Jackal's lab, which is run by clones of the Miles Warren version of the Jackal. A bunch of old men in trench coats. Ah, gosh. This brings me back to the days when I used to work in the Red Cross in the Infectious Disease Laboratory. Not that we walked around conducting illegal cloning or mutation experiments or uh, uh, things things of that ilk. Um, but, but, but perhaps I've said too much. I have seen your college transcripts. They would not even let you in the university's cloning program, let alone give you a degree in it. Uh, that's because I switched majors, but also, the fools will rue not giving me that degree! Anyway... Everyone still has to answer to someone, and Jackal has a conference with his benefactor. This mysterious woman has brought the Mad Doctor a present, a mysterious person in a capsule, shrouded in fog. This lady, who will be revealed to be the Spider Queen, wants the Jackal to perform this spider mutation procedure on her captive, which actually scares the Jackal. If it works, awesome town! If it fails... Well, the Jackal is pretty sure that they will all need some coffins. But the Spider Queen demands it. So, a switch is thrown, and science happens. Shk, yes. And what eventually breaks free is a monstrous gray creature with six red eyes, four tarantula legs coming from the back, and a less than human intelligence. This will be dubbed the Spider King. But for now... He is attacking his creator. Right up until the point where the Spider Queen says heal, and the monster does. So, this is all part of a plan. The Spider Queen and Jackal have created an infection which has caused a large population of New York to get spider-like powers, and that makes it so that the Spider Queen can control them. Ladies and gentlemen, we have a spider island. <laughs> but for now, let's go ahead and talk about this crazy, crazy cover, because I kind of like it. This is the themes of the issue, and we're going to start off with the cover credits of The Amazing Spider-Man 666, Spider Island. So we got The Amazing Spider-Man, and we got, that uh, says Prelude on the top, because it's in the Marvel Comics box, we got Spider Island. And down on the front, we got in writing on the cover, it says Spider Island with a little spider web with a spider crawling on it. Slot, Caselli, Gracia, hashtag Spider Island. And the main cover itself is the Statue of Liberty, except her face is now the Spider-Man cowl. And it looks like it was painted on there. So it looks like the Spider-Man 
cow motif has been painted right onto Lady Liberty's face. And there is a bunch of like spider webs off on the side. And this is an awesome, awesome cover. I love this cover. Oh, it looks great. It is very evocative. It gives you a really good idea of kind of like when you know the story, you're like, yeah, that totally fits in that, you know, because, hey, that's quintessential New York kind of feeling right there and Spidey and Spider Island and da, 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 da. yeah, it's great. This is an amazing cover. I love it. There, there's a lot that you kind of get there. I almost get a little bit of a arachnoid phobia kind of a thing. It's like has New York has Manhattan Island been taken over by a bunch of spiders, mm-hmm. but then there's the Spider-Man cowl there. And so there's a lot of questions going into this. You know, if you don't know the story, here's Spider Island. What's going on? Yeah. So it's kind of neat. I like it. I it, like it. Is, is New York getting taken over by a bunch of spiders? Spoilers. Yes. Yeah. No, it's a great cover and it fits and it covers a lot of things. It's got, it has that like, oh, it's a Spider-Man thing because Spider-Man's face is on there. Yeah, it's cool. And yeah, New York, you got Statue of Liberty and everything. spider it, it just has that just enough touch of creepy it's like oh that's cool but i'm starting to notice the cracks in the foundation the little the creeping doom the just the unsettling aspects of it and it's a good cover it's really great that way this was done by michael del mundo so this is one that definitely signed want this on the wall kind of a thing Primo, primo, primo. Mm-hmm. All right, let's talk about this book. There is a lot in this book. This is a huge book. The page count is ridiculous in it. I, I don't know what Marvel Unlimited said, but you're going through it, and it's like, it's like this 30, is... 31 pages of yeah. comics, and then I think two pages of letters or something. No, it's got a page of checklist and a page of letters. So yeah, like 31-page comic. Much, much thicker. There's just a lot more content that's here, and there's a lot of things going on. This is the final movement of the pieces into place before this whole thing kicks off. Yeah, and it's going to kick off tomorrow because that is one of the nice things that they've done on this is Julia Carter, you know, the Madam Webb, she's all like, you know, Peter's like, ah, I'm going home. Great, you've been grooming her for something. I'm going home and going to bed. Yes, Peter, go home, get a good night's sleep because you'll need it for tomorrow. Carly is like, hey, I've developed spider powers, but I want to talk to my boyfriend about it, but he is shutting me down until... Tomorrow. Tomorrow. It's, tomorrow is a very ominous kind of foreshadowing thing. They talk about a couple of times in here, and it's kind of neat. JJ's dad and his wife, Mae Parker. It's a shame that, that JJ's dad doesn't have a name other than J. Jonah Jameson's dad. I know he does <laughs> have a name. I can never remember it for the life of me. I think it's just Jay. I don't know. I Oh, I think you're right. Yeah, yeah. Mae calls him Jay. I think you're right. It's setting up all this stuff for happening tomorrow, which is cool. I did not read this story back in the day. I still haven't read it. I think I'd like to go back and read, dive into it and read a lot more of it. It's worth reading. It's really good. Yeah, it's a very cool setup and I really enjoy where it's going with it. I had to do some looking to like, who are some of these people that are going to get introduced here? Because I need to talk about it. I need to kind of be able to discuss it in this book. And you know, who are they? What are they doing? I guess you know who the Spider King is, right? Yeah, he's the mysterious man in the tube. <laughs> See, and I didn't know that going into this, which was cool because I'm like, I had to look at it like, that's Captain America? Oh, that's pretty off the hook. Jackal does some great foreshadowing on of that. Because when he's talking to the Spider Queen and got this mysterious guy in a tube, he's like, oh, wow, I've always obsessed over Peter Parker's DNA, but this is... Oh, gosh, what are some of the things he says? Uh, let me just look it up because it was just amazing. And of course, no, no you're, you're right. It, as he starts talking about once I looked up and saw who it was, I'm like, oh, everything he says makes sense. Yeah. He, he talks about how much he he's wanted to go after this. What if we lose control? I don't think we're going to be able to control it if we lose control because Captain America is the ultimate fighter. Yeah, there's a lot of cool stuff that's in there. He's perfect down to the last cell. For all my years of obsessing over Parker's DNA, I have to admit, I'd always dreamed of studying the prime specimen. Yep. What was another thing that he said? Oh, yes. And now you want me to try our experiment on the real firstborn of this era? Yeah. Yep. It's yeah. so many things that are just, it's like, yes, you're alluding to who it could be. And it's really good when the reveal happens. And it's like everything you're saying, because when I was reading this, I'm like, oh, I forgot this part. But yeah, God, I know who it is. And I know who it is. Thank you, Jackal. I know who you're talking about. I enjoyed this. I Like I said, there's a lot to this book. There's a lot going on. But I think that Slot does a really good job. And, and oh, big yeah. props to his artist, too, because I think the artist 
and the layout of the book itself does a lot to help move the story to the right beats. Mm -hmm. There's a lot going on. We don't need a lot of other things that are taking our time, but you got a clean art. You've got well-defined areas that Peter's going to. You don't need to do a lot of explanation about where he's at, what he's doing. The art's carrying a lot of that itself. And so it makes a nice and refreshing read even though we're reading a lot of stuff and there's a lot of moving parts in it. Yeah, and there, there is a lot of moving parts in Spider Island. But again, well worth the read. Really yeah. well worth the read. I would highly recommend going and giving you a chance. Because even just the fact that it was like, oh, we're going to read this issue. I'm like, God, I really want to go back and read this this run. And I, and I might. Yeah. Because again, I want to see if I remember it as well as... Remember that it was as good as I thought it was, and I think it was. So <laughs> I'm interested. I think I'm going to go ahead and, and see if I can follow this and read this through Marvel Unlimited too. I don't know if we're going to really touch back into this or not. I don't think so, and especially since Future Foundation is they're in New Atlantis, and yeah, yeah but that's not going to last. Yeah, I know that's not going <laughs> to last. They'll come back, but they weren't a primary part of the storyline, from what I remember. Because even just dipping into this, I was like, "Where's Alex coming on that?" Oh. As a total throwaway panel filler kind of thing. So, yeah. Alex is not a throwaway. What are you talking about, man? No, Alex is great. I love Alex. Don't get me wrong. It was just the aspect of like one panel in a crowd, basically. So, yeah. No, I'm kind of looking through in the future and I and I'll take that back. We are not going to touch back into Spider-Man until we actually get to avenging Spider-Man way down the line. So I think that we're going to be outside of Spider-Island at that point in time. But now I... I enjoyed this. I think that there's some cool beats that are in this. I do really enjoy the nod. Anytime we have a good nod to Spider-Man is amazing friends. <laughs> Firestar yeah. is there. We got somebody who looks like Iceman. And it's like, it, it's it's just almost yeah, there. It's you want right to reach out there. and touch it. It's like right there. Oh, yeah. Well, Firestar even said, you know, hey, it means we're his amazing friends. And I'm okay with that. It's just like, yeah, 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 you know. Yeah. Yeah. Fun little, like, just touch on there. Okay, cool. The thing we were talking about before, and I'm sure we're going to bring it up again with Spider-Man learning Spider-Foo. That is pretty darn sweet. And having Madam Web be there to be his final opponent. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's also a really good touch that's in there as well. I honestly really like the whole run-up of uh, Pete getting a job at Horizon Labs to creating Parker Industries to just... It is a meteoric rise that he does, and it's really amazing. And the fall that happens after that is really well done, too. So mm. he even brings in the Spider Mobile again in the future thing after Spider Island, and it's cool. He's learning how to drive from like an awesome car driver lady and dating her and all sorts of it's just neat. And it's like, it's a cool looking Spider Mobile, and it's running on walls and everything. And it's like, dang, man, <laughs> this thing's a cool car. So. <laughs> So I, I guess what we're saying is this is a good spot. Dive in, revisit some good old Amazing Spider-Man. I'm glad we could cover this. I'm glad we it's a silly, silly reason why we got <laughs> here with just a little one pixel thing of Alex Power being on a ship with a bunch of other fools. And yet we're here talking about a book that kind of makes me get really interesting to read this run, which I think is awesome. I think it's nice to be able to touch base with a good issue of comics that wants you to move forward and read some more. I know that I, I was recently listening to another podcast, War Rocket Ajax, and they were doing their comics catch up and uh, ranking of comics. And they didn't realize that the the second part of the Defenders book that came out in 2000, I'm going to say 2020 or 2021, but there was a second part to that which was Defenders Beyond. And both of those books were kind of a tied into the Ultimates and Ultimates 2 that came out in the mid-2010s. And so they were talking glowingly about these four different titles. And I was like, well, I've never read those. I'm going to go and start with the Ultimates and go forward. And man, I was eating those books up. I made it into the Defenders and I'm starting to read that. And that book is off the hook. <laughs> and so like, I'm, I enjoy finding these classic stories that people are like, you know, you should read this. There's a lot of comics out there. There's a lot of content. And just finding something that's some good writing, good art, and good storytelling, going with that and enjoying it is always enjoyable. Oh, it is. It can be really hard to, too, because as you said, there are so many comics that are out there. And sometimes you got to chew through a lot of garbage to get to, like, some really good finds. You know, those treasures where you're like, whoa, this is really great. But I read a bunch of junk to get to the stage. And you, you just don't know. 
And other times yeah. you're like, oh, these are characters that I like. And so I'm going to follow their story. And it doesn't, you know, sometimes there's a big dip in quality. And it's like, I don't really know if I should keep burning my time reading this sunk time fallacy kind of thing where you're like, but I've gotten this far, so I got to keep reading. So, yeah. All right. Well, let's go ahead and get ourselves into final thoughts and really dive into this issue. And of course, like always, we start off with the refrigerator gallery. Now, let's go ahead and face facts. Peter has a very cool office in Horizon Labs. He's got a bunch of really cool stuff all around, all this equipment and everything. But there's some room for some cool artwork. And, you know, he's got to show off. He's Peter Parker's showing off a lot in the Horizon Labs. So yep. let's get some good artwork to put up on the walls at Horizon Labs so we can show off. Jeff, do you have something funny? Yes, I do. On Marvel Unlimited, page 13 is my backup joke one, which I call Unfinal Destination. <laughs> and this is when Peter was about to get hit by a school bus, that modern staple of storytelling in movies and TV shows where you want an unexpected scare. So a bus hits you and Phil saves him from stepping out in front of a school bus and getting hit by it. So, yeah, it cracked me up just due to the fact Spidey is walking, you know, almost get, getting hit by a school bus, the perennial student. And also the fact that, like I said, it's just a staple if you want to shock in so many different things is just and then have the mm -hmm. person hit by a bus. So, <laughs> and what's even funnier mm -hmm. is that he's saved by, uh, well, a villain. Yeah, the Green Goblin. <laughs> I mean, the Hobgoblin. I mean, the Goblin Knight. I mean, the Goblin King. Yeah. I mean, the. <laughs> what? Whatever. Whatever. Phil Yurik. All right. I would like you to turn about four or five pages in the future. Mm -hmm. And we have got a wonderful panel here of what I call Jean-Claude uh, the Sad Years. That's a good one. Yeah, that's a good panel. <laughs> and, and this is, it's funny to me because I looked at it, I was like, Jean-Claude, you let yourself go. It's this guy who is getting hunted down by the two toughs because he owes these gambling debts. And he's put his hands on this wall and he's kind of kicked his legs up and he has done a split kick, kicking both these guys in the face. And my thought is, if I all of a sudden could do that, I would be like, hey, is my groin okay? Yeah. I hurt myself. <laughs> also, my pants wouldn't survive that. No. I've blown no. pants out just like reaching for a geocache before. I'm like, brand new jeans. Boom! And I'm like, what happened? I'm going to go ahead and say those are sweatpants because, I mean, this guy really isn't. He, he's oh, not yeah. dressed he's any nights yeah, at not, all. So, yeah. yeah. That works. They're stretchy. What else you got, man? My top joke one is on page 26, and I call it, I would walk for miles and miles, and I would walk for miles more. And this is when Jackal and Tarantula, a.k.a. Kane, are going back into their secret lab, and it's filled with Miles Warrens, uh, which is always just funny because so he had walked for miles and miles. And, you know, when the Spider Queen is all like, it took you a while to get here, and he's like, four miles to get here, meaning he walked past four <laughs> of himself. So yeah, it cracked yeah, me up just yeah, for yeah. very, very shallow reasons. Very, very, very shallow reasons. <laughs> <laughs> all right, I would like to say that my top one is the final page of this issue, and I call it Crazy Town. Oh, it's nice. <laughs> It's nice. This is where we have a shot of the city and it's like buildings upon buildings upon buildings. And you see all of these random people just swinging and jumping and, and leaping and flipping. And it's people like, wee! Yeah, they're having fun. I mean, and it is the walks of life. It is the kind of overweight house mother. It's a businessman with a briefcase where papers are flying out of it. It's a comic book enthusiast. It's, it's just, it's tons of different people. It's just saying, hey... The slice of life in New York has got Spidey powers now, and they're just going, doing their thing, going, this is awesome. This, this is so is fun. Awesome. I would do that. No, I, I know you would, too. And you'd also split out your pants. Again. I would blow my pants right, right blow out. Blow them well, way I, out. They, they way would just out. hurricane away. That's all there would be. Hey, uh, hey, up there, you're uh, doing all the Spider-Man stuff. <laughs> We'd like it a lot if you'd put on some <laughs> pants now. Because uh, those boxers, they ain't cutting it. It's a boxer, right, what boxer do you briefs, my friend. Still not cutting it. <laughs> Even worse. Why don't you go ahead and tell me what your backup best one is, sir? My backup best one is on page 19, and I call it Unnecessary Backflip. And this is when Agent Venom is fighting a bunch of AIM scientists, and he's he's upside down, flipping around, shooting guns, shooting a bunch of AIM scientists, all while he's upside down midair. And y you know he did it just because he could. There was no reason otherwise. It's just, it, he's just like, I look awesome. And look at me <laughs> do this thing. I'm a vet with no legs, but look at me flip and fly and shoot folks in the face. So, yeah. 
Yeah. Okay. I can. I can. I can definitely go with that one. Uh, that's uh, it's Agent Venom, and I kind of like him. It's cool what he is doing. I. It's cool what he's laying down, and yeah, I'm all down with that. I'm all down with that. The run that they have done with Flash over the I want to say years, but let's just admit it and say decades has been interesting because he's gone from the oh he's the prototypical bully jock and he's mean to Peter, but he adores Spider Man, and that's. That's kind of been his thing forever. And then, oh, he goes into the army. Oh, when he's a hero. And, he, you know, he really kind of like learns and becomes not who he was. There was development there. And the fact, too, that he like pulled, I think, five or six people out of, I want to say it was a burning tank. It's been a while. Something. Yeah. I know that he like his legs got shot and then he lost his legs. And it's like, oh, my goodness, he's a disabled veteran. And him going through and kind of like growing from that and then getting the chance to uh, don Peter's old suit and be a Venom. And how he really adapts to that. And then he goes off into Guardians of the Galaxy and goes to the symbiote homeworld and gets him and his symbiote synced up. And now, you know, it's, yeah, it's great. Yeah. No, no, I agree. Let me tell you about my backup best art the poker game. I, Top. I don't need to say anything else. Yep. I don't need to say anything else. Page 21. Game. Page 21. I call it poker game. Yep. Top. Yeah. Done. Yeah. It, it's, it's just fun. It's Peter. Having a poker game with, let's see here, we've got The Thing, we got Red Hulk, we have Hawkeye, we have Iron Fist, we got Captain Marvel, Wolverine, Spider-Woman, not Madam Web, but we have Spider-Woman, and we got Power Man. It's just great. It's, see the sun going down behind them, you see them all out there just playing their, I'm going to say it's going to be five card stud because they got more than two cards in their hand and they're holding it up there. Yeah. Pretty darn cool. Pretty darn cool. They're they're playing the ultimate game of Blind Man's Bluff because all their cards have no information on them. They're just white cards, so. You know, just, you know, you know, don't be that guy. Don't be that guy. (laughs) It was was something that I noticed where I said, I'm not going to be that pedantic. I understand why. And then I was anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That is an excellent, excellent one. But that's not my top one. Because you know what my top one is. If it's not going to be the poker game. Yeah, what is it going to be? It's going to be the one I call Matrix Eat your heart out. Oh, the dojo. Because this is where we have the final fight of Spider-Foo. This is where we get it tested out. And it's Spider-Man and Madam Web. And it's one shot. And there is one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. Twelve different images of Spider-Man and Madam Web punching or throwing kicks or doing something across the floor, up the wall, on the ceiling. It's just fantastic. It is a lot, and it is cool. It is really neat. It's also a great way of showing a whole lot of action in just one panel. Yes. It took care of that section of the story where it could have dragged it out a long time, but they're like, we need... We've got a lot of beats to do. We've got this. We got to go there. We got to go here. We got to go there. We got to ignore my girlfriend when I get home. And so doing the Kung Fu scene and basically just having it done in a page. It's a great moment in here. Once again, it's lifting Peter up to a new level with his fighting skills, which is great. Cashed in all those karma points in the Marvel superhero mm-hmm. game, and he's ready to go up to the next level. <laughs> yep. Spending that. Right. Uh, oh, how many how many karma points was it for a power feat? Was one hundred? How much was it for a skill? I, I don't know. We'll have to ask Auburn Elvis or something like that. But we don't have time for that, man. We don't have time because it's rubber and glue moment, and we need to find out what was the best or most childish insult. Jeff, thanks a lot, Drippy. That <laughs> hit the spot. <laughs> <laughs> Calling Hydro Man Drippy. Yeah, it was a great one. (laughs) It's a great one. It's a great one. What do you got? I have something just like right above that where Hydro Man has just beat up the young allies. Gravity's all like, he got me and I swallowed. Does that mean part of him's inside (laughs) me? I'm going to be sick. Uh, Stuff like that. And I just love Hydro Man's response on this. It's like, face it, you brats are in over your heads. And here's where you drown because of here comes Spidey. I just like face it, you brats. Yeah, 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 you're in over your yeah. head. So he's got that like water pun, but also brats. You're just brats. Look, young Alice, that's great. You're brats. My top insult, it really is the entire poker game, but I'm going to go mm. ahead and say it's, we're going to give this one to Miss Marl. And then there was money. Now that you're earning some, it's worth our time to fleece you. <laughs> it's it's mostly just the fact that they're all mocking him. Wolverine saying, you talk too flaming much. Your spider sense... We don't play with telepaths. Yep. It's they're just all ribbing him, and I like just the entire gang up. We are just making fun of you. Yeah. Now. <laughs> no, the the Marvel poker games are always a highlight, usually in comics. Yeah. It's always just like 
yeah, I want to see these guys let their guard down. They're hanging out. They get to razz each other. They get to just, they're enjoying each other's company. They're just, yeah, we're heroes, but we're off the clock. And it's always so nice. So, yeah, just wonderful. What about you? What's your top one? It's on page 21, and it's when Ben and Pete are going to the Avengers Mansion to go yep. to the poker game. Ben just keeps on kind of asking them questions about, like, MJ is like, so you and your ex, what happened there? Long story. Just saying, you guys were good together. Drop it. She was hot. Had a real girl next door thing going on. You're from Yancey Street. Girls next door are missing prominent teeth. Yeah, yeah. Punch, 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 punch. <laughs> Always good to make fun of Yancey Street. Yeah. Always good. Now, Jeff, I got myself a hard question for you because we need to talk about the parent of the year. Mm-hmm. And that's really difficult because, well, all the children are gone really quickly. So we don't get too much parenting interaction here. I'm curious what you're going to say. I know that for me, the Reed Richards Award for Good Parenting goes to Sue because she is taking the kids out of town while Reed fumigates the building. So good call, Sue. It's You're a- being a good parent. You are taking your kids away from a hostile in- environment with Reed doing whatever he's doing to the building. Mm-hmm. So let's go ahead and give that award to Sue. I like that. It was on my list of potentials, and I did not go for Sue. Mm-hmm. I went for MJ. Okay. That pretty redhead okay. girl next door <laughs> who has all her teeth. Because because she is parenting our good buddy Peter. <laughs> yep. She's making sure that he is going to his right appointments, mm-hmm. that he's not forgetting to do things, mm-hmm. that he's making sure that he is calling and checking in on his friends mm-hmm. and going and checking on his aunt. Yep. She's been a good mother to She's Peter. been great. I think that is a wise choice because Peter is a child. <laughs> yeah, yeah. As we've well established, he is a, uh, just a just an adolescent who need he need he needs that kind of handholding. Her just being on top of his schedule and reminding him of things that he doesn't know. Some he knew. It's just like, hey, your yeah. aunt is leaving tomorrow. Yep, we're taking her to the airport. That's dealt with. What's you, what you got next? Betty's in the hospital and her boyfriend's gone. She's lonely. Yep. Oh, okay. You know, it's just like, yeah, it was MJ. 100% for me. Sue, nope. great choice. For me, it was MJ. Let's talk stars in detention then. We have to identify who is the best and who is the worst in this issue. Let's talk about worst. Who do you have the worst in this issue? Well, stretch you, Ben. I'm saying Ben. Here's the main reason why. It's when they're going to the Avengers Mansion and he keeps on kind of pestering Pete about MJ. Because he's like, MJ calls, he's like, oh, hey, is that Red? Hey, Red, I. You know, he's excited that she is still talking with Pete and he likes her. But there's a point. And this is a point after the night with Alicia, his, you know, Ben's girlfriend. And he's asking Peter about MJ going, no, she's seeing anybody? Because maybe I could. You know, I. I see that more as a friend just giving yeah. a Mickey to another friend. So I'm willing to give Ben some <laughs> leeway there. I'm not saying he's the worst. I'm going to tell you who my worst is. Is it, and it's, is it Sue? No, because no. I was going to say nope. Sue because nope. she didn't want Ben to have a poker game. No, I'm going to say this. Mm-hmm. And this is going to be the absolute right answer for this book. J. Jonah Jameson, because I believe the polls. Oh, there you go. Yeah. He is the worst mm-hmm. in this book mm-hmm. because the polls say so. He is worse than Spider-Man in this book, so he is the worst one out there. His his <laughs> his unfavorable rating is way way high. This book has told me that the worst is J. Jonah Jameson. Enough said. Yep, his Q rating is really low. I cannot argue that there are stats. Of course, that means that I got to say, according to the polls, Spidey's the best. <laughs> I get, uh, it- <laughs> but also, but also, I'm going to say too that he is also the best in this issue because. He's actually living his best life. He is. Sure, he's making mistakes. But you know what, though? On the whole, he is living his best life right now. He could be paying more attention to Carly. Mm-hmm. Negative points there. But man, he has got things dialed in. So I got to give him props for that. Not Spidey was is an excellent choice. He was my default one to go to. But on re 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 reading this issue, I've decided that I'm going to go with Madam Webb. Okay. And this is All because... Right. She's gently guiding him with, to where he needs to be. And I like that. So um, it, it's, it was because she even mm. says it's like her and Shang-Chi have kind of been secretly uh. preparing him for something that he needs to be prepared for. And doing it so gently. I liked it. I'm going to go say this. So it's not really that gently because I'm looking at the fight they had here. Okay. And there ain't nothing gentle about that fight. <laughs> ain't nobody got hurt. No chins got musicked. 
There was no sweet, right. sweet touching. That was just simply that was simply ceiling dancing, my friend. All right. Let's talk about some top grades. We want to go ahead and rate this book evaluated against all the other issues with a member of Power Pack in them. Number one, we got the funeral and memorial of Johnny Storm in Fantastic Four, number 588. Spot number eight, we have, no, let's do this. Spot number six, <laughs> 666 issue. I'm going to pull it in. <laughs> Read Carpools with Galactus and Sue Watch's Namor commit genocide in Fantastic Four 585. In spot number 16, FF number four, how do you defeat a plethora of reeds? The one that came two times before this. And then going down to spot number 26, Wolverine number 37, fall back and spring forward where Wolverine's bouncing through time. And then, of course, last spot we have the loners number three, what lies beneath. I'm going to say right now, this is not on the bottom. No, we have to uh, hit the bottom, punch through that bottom and rotate all the way back up to the top because it's a cylinder. Yeah, this this one's going to be up near the top here. I got to tell you, we got some real heavy ones at the top. Mm -hmm. Month of Mourning, Wounded Wolf, The Last Stand. I'm going to go ahead and look down at number 658, The Fantastic Spider-Man. That's where Spidey and the FF try to fix time and space. Mm -hmm. That was a really good issue. Oh, yeah. That was a lot of fun. And I think... This is the spot I'm looking at. Yeah, we went into that issue going like, yeah, we weren't really sold on it. And we got sold on it a lot by our guest at that time. But I got to tell you, I, I, I agree with it. I think it's a great spot for it. And this is a really comparable one to it. Now, is this better or worse? It, I'm going to go ahead and throw this out here and say, I think this one might be better than that one because I like the art a lot more in this yes. one. And the art fit with that one, but I like the art a lot more with this one. And that one had a lot of balls in the air. This one's got a lot going on too. Yeah, but and doing it really well. Yeah, it sells it extremely well. I, I like it in the new, new four spot. Yeah. I do think it's a better one. Yeah, th this cannot beat The Last Stand though. The Last Stand is just really it, good. Yeah. And The Last Stand is an emotional punch. This does not have an emotional punch, but this is a solid story, a solid introduction to a run that is known and liked. So yeah, I, I perfectly fine with That's that. That's the thing on this. This is a transition piece. This is a getting there one. This is a this is a big story that is simply getting you to another another story. And it's amazing. Mm -hmm. There's so much going yeah. on and it is so good. The J. Jonah Jameson stuff. That's interesting. That was like the least interesting thing in there. And it was really interesting to see Jonah and talking to his people and his polls going down and Spidey being popular. You know, even the stuff with like Jay and May saying goodbye to Feast and going back to their apartment to like pack up to move to Boston and stuff. It's just like all of it was really interesting. Yeah. All right. The new number four. Let's talk a little bit about our beer. We're talking about the brewery Mischief. What are you thinking about this one, man? It's okay. I'm liking it enough to drink it. It is not, I'm not singing its praises to the heavens. Uh, right off the bat, I'm going to give you a three, five. It's, it's, it's good. It's fine. It's not the best. It is definitely what it is. I'm enjoying this. I like it, but it's the middle part. It's that the sweetness from the, the fruit mm -hmm. flavors. It's just not selling it to me. I think that the hops might be undercutting it a bit. I like everything else about it. I like how it tastes. I like, I think it's a good beer. I just don't know why there's just a part of it that just is not really, really working for me. See, that's the thing for me. Flavor wise, I want it to pick a lane. It's going in like three different directions and they're not complementary to each other. Bounces between flavors in a not pleasant way for me. So it's, it's something I'm drinking. I'm going to finish it. I would drink it again. Would I seek it out? Yeah, probably not. But if it was offered yeah. to me, I would drink it. I think you said three. I think I I'm going to agree five. with you on the. I'm going oh, three. Oh, you said three yeah, five. Yeah, I said three five. I'll, I'll stick with that. I'm going to go ahead and say 3.5 as well. I think that's about right. All right. Let's go ahead and move on from there. All right. And to move on from there, we go to kids perspective. And that is where Rick talks to his 12 year old daughter, Carrie, about the issue that we just covered. So Rick and Carrie, take it away. Hello, Carrie. Hello, Daddy. Are you ready to talk about an amazing Spider-Man book? Yeah. What'd you think about this book overall? Did you like it or not? I mean, it was good. It was good? <laughs> the idea of a bunch of Spider-Men is kind of cool, but then again, there was always a bunch of Spider-Men, so... Well, it's different. <laughs> yeah, we have seen clones in the past, and that's one thing, but this is somebody is giving people all these Spider-Man powers, right? It's quite strange, yes. It's kind of cool. It's some cool ideas there, right? Yeah. I mean, 
What if everybody was Spider-Man? Yeah. And what did you think about Spider-Man himself, Peter Parker? He's... Did, did you like him? Did you not like him? Is he different? I feel like he's the same. He's the same? Yeah, he's <laughs> just the same. You've seen some Peter Parker movies, and you've read some Peter Parker books. Spider-Man and Peter Parker, they kind of are always losers, right? Yeah. This is a little different, though, isn't it? He's a winner. They're both winners. He's doing good, isn't he? He's He's got a successful job. Looks like he's, he's got a good girlfriend right now. Who he thinks is try- is going to break up with him. But well, yeah, but... They have he, a bit of a misunderstanding there. Yeah, he's getting things done. He's making sure he's doing his work, fighting crime. He's trying to be more reliable, right? Yeah, the only upsetting part about him is that he doesn't have a spider sense. So, like, sometimes he gets, like, caught up with basic things like checking the street. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> to see if there's any cars. Like, you learned that at a very young age, but he's gotten so used to his spider sense that doesn't really, like, remember that, use that anymore, so. Did you recognize the guy who saved him from getting hit by that bus? Not really, no. Who's he? He's Phil Urich. Nope. From the Loners. Oh, wait, that's him? That's him. That guy? That guy. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, don't, don't worry, we're not going to see any more of him. We're actually going to be walking away from Amazing Spider-Man... For a long time, I think. But you did enjoy the book, right? Yeah. And you saw Alex Power in there, right? Yeah, I think I saw like a little glimpse. <laughs> yeah, he wasn't he's in there that so much. He's so popular. Like, he's <laughs> in every single panel. So crazy. So he was in one panel. We still got to read this book because he made an appearance, right? Yep. I love how that's just our thing now. Hey, you know, we've got some actual... Power I know, pack I know, stuff I know, coming no, up. I, that wasn't that wasn't sarcasm. That was like we get to like expand from just power pack to other stuff. Yeah, just because power pack is there for one panel. Yeah, we're expanding our horizons. We're seeing other things that power pack shows up in. It's not so bad. Yeah. <laughs> what did you think about the artwork in this? It's good. It's good. Solid artwork. Yeah. Yeah. Able to follow the storyline pretty well. People are turning into Spider-Man. There's a lot of things going on in here, isn't there? I mean, it's a lot of pages, a lot of content, but you were able to follow it pretty well, weren't you? Yeah. Tell me one part of this book that you really enjoyed. I do like it when his girlfriend Carly, like, just punches a bad guy. That's kind of (laughs) nice. When she kind of gets the Spider-Man powers and she knocks down the the bad guy as he's running by. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's kind of nice to see a little twist on what we usually see. She's being able to take care of herself, right? Yeah, which like really helps as somebody who does her job. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, is there anything else you want to talk about? Nope. Okay. Thank you very much for your time then, Carrie. Welcome. I love you. Love you too. Ooh, spiders, Carrie. There's spiders everywhere. Shout out time. We like to recognize those listeners that take some time to write in or leave us a review. And this is for episode 131, where we are covering FF number three. Whatever happened to all those reads? Oh, no. And that includes Andrew Burns. Charles Gears. Clinton Robeson and his podcast, Fan Film Fridays and Coffee and Comics. Hoover Jeremiah and his podcast, Four Million Years Later. Jeremy Daw. Limax7, who says, I'll read Little Alex. Mal. Movie Trailers 239. Scott Sutton Johnson. Waffles and his podcast, Waffle and Mates Talk About Things. We also like to thank those people that give us a little bit of cash to do what we do. We really appreciate it. We can't do this without a little bit of financial help to make sure that we can get these podcasts out there and that we can get the beers to talk about. That includes adorably astonishing and amazing Andrew Burns. Cheerfully cheeky and charming Char Logan. Challenging, cheesy, and chuckling Charles Gears. Destructive and devastatingly delightful Damian Witter. Dynamically dangerous and devious Doug Jones. Intelligent, interesting, and innovative Isaac Perry. Justing, joking, and jovial Jeff Polier. Just jealous and jeweled Jeremy Daw. Muscly, mighty, and meticulous Matthew Birdsey. Mythical and magnificent monologuing Matthew Laserwitz. Steely, salty, and steamy Sailor Bear Zodar. Sad and sickeningly silly Shag Matthews. Tyrannically terrifying and tame Tim Price. Way, way wordy and wobbly Waffles. Weird and wonderfully wacky Wind. Next issue, we are going to be covering X-23, Volume 2, Number 14. Be sure to check out the other show that I sometimes do, but not for a while. Monthly Monday Movie Muck About on the Longbox Crusade Podcast Network. I'd recommend it. I enjoy it when I listen to them. It's fun. 
And also, we have some merchandise available on Redbubble. Go to redbubble.com and search for Unpacking the Power of Power Pack. Jeff and Rick present is a bi-weekly self-produced podcast recorded in front of a live studio audience consisting of an empty bag from McDonald's in Portland, Oregon. If you would like to interact with us through the magic of the internet, you can do so through Twitter at Jeff and Rick present, our Facebook page, Jeff and Rick present, our email address, Jeff and Rick present, all one word at gmail.com, or at our website, Jeff and Rick present.wordpress.com. Also, our YouTube channel is at Jeff and Rick present. And if you would like to help support our show, we are on Patreon. You can find us at patreon.com, Jeff and Rick present, all one word. We are also a proud supporter of the Hero Initiative and will be donating 10% of our Patreon donations to this great cause. We encourage everyone to give what they can to this worthwhile organization that helps the creators who provide us with such great content. Go to heroinitiative.org to find out more. Please rate and review us wherever you can. Tell your friends about us and share your love for us on social media. And as always, we want to thank the powerful people in our packs. My wife, Cindy, and our daughter, Carrie. My fiance, Hillary, and our daughter, Aurora. We We love love you. Until next time, costumes Costumes off. off. Our theme music is A's Action by Kevin McLeod. Also featured in this episode is The Road Home by Alexander Necrotic. All music is founded in Competech.com and is licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution 4.0 license. We can get into the meat and potatoes of this dinner topic of a... No, that's uh, that went nowhere. That just fell apart and died in my, uh, in my brainstem. Snap. You go, little Oriadit. Let me try again. You go, little Aurora. Aurora. Snap. Respect from the public and the authorities. And a three... Bleh, bleh. Snap. Do you also notice I turned IC into Icy? Nice. Nice. <laughs> nice. I, I, on the spot, I'm, so, I'm a comedic genius and a smarty. So funny. Oh, giggle me. Snap. Jeff and Rick present is a bi-weekly self-produced podcast recorded on... <laughs> Jeff and Rick.